sweet distraction for an hour or two. Had no intention to defend. Hello and welcome to the next episode of our Back to the Movies podcast series we're doing here on FilmNerds.com. Uh, I'm Matt Scalisi and with me today uh, is a, a new voice for Film Nerds, guy that you guys have not heard from before, but uh, he's a... Uh, He's a, he's kind of a, a name in the in the arts community here in Birmingham, and um, we we wanted to you know try to bring uh, kind of a diversity of voices here for this top ten series that we're working on. So so joining us today from the Virginia Sanford Theater here in Birmingham is uh, Lucas Pepke. Thanks for uh, joining us, Lucas. Yeah, no problem. And uh, today we're going to be talking about. The second James Bond movie from 1983, uh, Octopussy, which is the kind of the official James Bond movie from 1983. And folks who've read the, um, been reading the the blog posts would know that there's already been kind of an, uh, you know, unofficial sort of unendorsed James Bond movie, Never Say Never Again, with Sean Connery that came out earlier in the year. And the one we're going to be looking at today is the sort of officially sanctioned MGM Bond movie of 83, Octopussy, which which had Roger Moore, who was uh, still kind of the reigning James Bond at the time. And uh, this, was a, this was a hugely, hugely successful movie, obviously, since we're talking about it in the top ten. Made $67.8 million, uh, which at the time was, I think, the second highest grossing Bond movie ever. Um, Lucas, kind of give me, tell me your background a little bit growing up. Cause we're, we're pretty much, we're similar age here. Yeah. Uh, I, you, was, you, I was born in, uh, 82. So, I mean, I was, I was right there, but I was actually born in the Netherlands. So, um, I guess I'm, I'm very European. And, and how much time did you spend in, in Europe growing up just to give our audience some perspective there? Uh, I was just there until I was like three. And then, um, you know, we traveled back and forth a good bit when I was younger, but I, I honestly haven't been overseas, uh, since about 2000 now. So it's been some time. Well, the, I mean, the bond films actually have, are kind of famously very successful in Europe and, and overseas. And especially in, uh, especially in France and Italy, I know for sure they're very popular, very successful over there. I, I imagine that's probably, uh, true of most of Europe, although I'm not, I'm not totally sure of that, but, um, you know, tell me kind of what's your experience been like growing up um, watching James Bond movies and, and you know, you know, I, I guess first of all, talk about the, the franchise as a whole from what you grew up watching and then what's been your experience with the Roger Moore uh, James Bond iteration, I guess, specifically. Right. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I, I wouldn't call myself, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a James Bond fan. I wouldn't say I'm like a diehard fan. I haven't, you know, I haven't read all the books. Sure, yeah. And I've never sat down and watched every single movie, you know, in the order of their release. Um, right. And I honestly probably haven't seen some of them. Um, but, you know, everyone, I, you know, any guy I, our age, I think, likes James Bond. So, um, and I'd, I'd seen Octopussy several times before, but it's been a while. So, uh, you know, Roger Moore, I don't, I don't know if he's my favorite Bond, and in this one, he's he's aging pretty good. Yeah, so. he was actually in his mid fifties when he did this movie. <laughs> yeah, but he he doesn't show mid fifties. He looks, you know, he almost looks sixty in a couple, a couple uh, scenes. But um, 
so yeah, you know, I, I'm just kind of a pick and choose James Bond kind of guy, a la carte. Uh, I wouldn't say I would I would be a diehard fan though. Yeah, I mean Roger Moore is kind of the way I've always looked at it. You know, even though obviously Sean Connery was still. Uh, it was cornball, a lot of the Sean Connery stuff, too. I mean, you know, in what you expect from, from a right, movie. But right. Roger Moore, really, to me, is kind of the more comedic James Bond. You know, is definitely more lighthearted. I mean, he's he's dressed as a clown for oh, one of the no, major I mean, moments this of this whole, movie. This whole movie, I, I totally forgot, you know, half of everything. And I was just like, are you serious? <laughs> did, they really, did they really write you know, this end of the script, I was like, you know, and, and, you know, your stats that you gave off just a second ago, it's kind of amazing that it was what you said, the second highest grossing, was it just Bond film or film no, of all time? No, yeah, at the, at the time, it was the second highest grossing James Bond movie. Oh, James, of the, okay, of the, yeah, of the franchise, up to that point, Moonraker was the, was kind of the big runaway hit that I don't, I don't think that actually got passed until the nineties, but uh, I mean, but this was a this was a big one, and obviously, uh, what's kind of more amazing is that this movie made that much money, and it came <laughs> out a month after another James Bond movie. Right, and I, I didn't I didn't know that. I I was actually on IMDb earlier, you know, looking at some of the, you know, the nitty gritties of everything, and I I had no idea that. I mean, so what was the deal with the other film? I mean, yeah, why it was, was a it was a weird uh, it was a weird story and it kind of uh, anybody that wants to know kind of fuller details if you go to the the blog post on on never say never again i go into it a little bit more but basically what happened was there was there was this lawsuit uh because the the guy who wrote one of the early james bond screenplays um wasn't credited properly and he ended up winning a lawsuit that meant that he had the rights to make uh he, he basically had the rights to remake Thunderball if he wanted to and so so he chose to do that and even though MGM was already making another James Bond movie so what he did was he remade Thunderball and uh, cast Sean Connery in it it doesn't have any of the other people involved in the rest of the franchise basically there's there's no uh, there's no John Barry music there's no um, you know the, the the guy that plays Q is is a different guy in that movie so it's just kind of this weird little you know, right. Alternate universe of James Bond, I guess. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah. So uh, one thing, I, and I just mentioned uh, John Barry, the, uh, who did the music for most of the franchise. But I want to talk about his music here, which is really heavily based on the theme song that we get right at the beginning. He kind of works it into the score <laughs> overall, yeah. and it's this—it's a. Uh, it's, it's a, probably the worst Bond song ever. I would, I would definitely put it up there. I mean, it's one of the worst. And, and I saw, that, you know, it actually the song overall actually got some play on like the Billboard Top 40, and I think it was like number one for adult contemporary or something like that. But it's just horrible. It's a, it's um, just kind of a, it's just like a classic corny '80s ballad, you know. But it's not even a good classic corny '80s ballad, and, and I, I noticed that Tim Rice actually wrote the lyrics to it, which That's I thought. Right. <laughs> but uh, I, you know, I hear it as like it's it almost sounds like a song that John Denver or someone would sing. <laughs> yeah, that's good. It's an all-time high. <laughs> you know, it's just it's really bad. It just sets it sets the tone for the whole movie. <laughs> 
Well, you know, the weird thing is, and, and I've been talking in some of these other podcasts about how bad the music is in 1983 movies, and they were just so heavy on synthesizers. Yeah. Right. And, you know, weirdly, it's kind of nice to hear a real score, because I actually like the score of the movie overall that uh, right. that he does. And, and I like, actually, the way that he works in kind of the but basic theme of, yeah. of all time high yeah but but obviously the song on its own doesn't really seem to work yeah as a solo piece is is not good and and for to start the film <laughs> you know it's just pretty weak um yeah yeah you know it's it's weird to have it's really kind of a a tricky tone to get that opening song and i think i think at times they've really missed on it and and a lot of those times came in the eighties. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, I think like when you look at, I think probably the, uh, the pre, the, 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 the James Bond movie with Roger Moore made just before this one, uh, was, I think, and, and I, I might have to go back and correct this later. But I think it was the spy who loved me, which was one of my favorite James Bond. Yeah. Films, yeah. That's yeah. Which is nobody does it better. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't know. I, I I think I think uh, some of them some of them are just kind of indelible hits and they just fit perfectly and I, I think they just kind of whiffed on this one. Maybe they were just trying to go for a, a Billboard hit rather than well, trying to make it fit maybe, the movie. Maybe since it's you know it's uh, I don't know <laughs> I have no idea what I was gonna say. Uh, you know it's maybe since the title is the. No, that's no. Look, cool. I think that's part of it, man. Because you know, a no, maybe lot of, it's, a it's lot a of the. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, you know, it's a female character's name as the title. So I mean, you know, maybe they were trying to do some like softer kind of. I don't know. Look, I want to talk about the title a little bit because we're dancing around it, but it's <laughs> it's, it's awkward, man. I mean, look, and I and uh, th- this is a movie that. Obviously, the character name came from a book, but the story it's based on is actually called Property of a Lady, which, right. you know, I guess I guess that's a little bit too soft for a James Bond title. But then you go, I, I, you know, I have to think that this movie title was intentionally meant to raise eyebrows and get people's attention. And, uh, you know, I think, like you said, first of all, you can't really sing the title of the movie in a song, unlike a lot of the James Bond movies. Dude, like, here comes Octopussy, you know? Uh, I don't see that. And I was, it was funny because I was looking at the IMDb trivia, and, you know, in China, they actually, the title was, and this is, this I guess could be any title to any James Bond movie, was uh, 007 Averts the Plot. <laughs> So he was like, "Oh, I guess that's every James Bond movie, but they, you know, <laughs> saves the day, or yeah, right, yeah. Just describing it's the movie, true. yeah, it's yeah. true, you know, that's what he does, yeah." But, uh, but no, I mean, it's almost like anytime you hear Octopussy, you can't even, you can't even take her seriously. And what she says in the movie that her dad nicknamed her that—that's <laughs> even worse. It's like what a. Come here, octopusy. Yeah, it's it's weird, man. You know, I actually uh, I was I was uh, I was talking to one of my, you know, when we were sort of initially setting these podcasts up, I kind of put the put the word out there of like, okay, you know, here's some of the movies that I'm I'm going to be podcasting about. Let me know if you're interested in 
Uh, right. You know, one of the one of the text messages I got back about Octopussy specifically was, it was just, <laughs> <laughs> which is basically just what happens today. I mean, I, I don't know if if in 2011 that's more of an overt reference than it was in 1983. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think this movie was made for a 13 year old boy. <laughs> you can definitely between, see between the title and you know. The uh, the Amazon women assault squad at the end. Oh, and, listen, yeah. I love that, and I want to talk. I want, let's get yeah. into the story a little bit. I want to talk okay. about the element of this movie that is probably the most ridiculous aspect, which is that. Uh, and basically, you know, I'm not going to go through the whole story because it actually doesn't matter, as it never does in a James Bond movie. But suffice to say, most of it takes place in India. And actually, a lot of that portion of the movie takes place on an island that is inhabited exclusively by women. Yes. And, uh, and specifically, like, sexy bikini-clad. Yeah, very, very scantily clad. Women. Right. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I basically, now what is the explanation we're given for why this is a women-only island? It, I think it's, you know, she... She has kind of housed these women because they're all looking for, you know, like a higher purpose. And so she, I guess, teaches them training, like acrobatics and how and to massaging each other and yeah, yeah. massaging each other and <laughs> how to, uh, you know, forge really expensive jewelry. And, uh, I, you know, it, it's a pretty crappy explanation. I, I think it's just a way for them to, like, justify the circus in the whole movie yeah now that's the other part of this is even though this is kind of you know you like to sort of pigeonhole the james bond movies like this is the this is the las vegas one this is the this is the one where he loves gold this you know, right. this is, right. here's the one with the the spaceship right and, exactly and this one is kind of the one in india but it's also kind of the circus one weirdly oh uh, yeah because that's the kind of the other aspect of this is that uh even though Octopussy runs this band of sort of, you know, bandits, I guess, female bandits, uh, she says something about that basically they've diversified their business yeah. plan to include circus <laughs> to, performance. To circus performing. So it's like, you know, what? okay, get into the stock market or something. <laughs> but I, mean, I guess if you've got all these hot acrobatic women, that's something you can go into. So. Right. But yeah, it's a pretty. She gives a pretty lame explanation as to as to her business portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, basically, what that's all leading up to is, uh, you know, and and really, I guess James Bond in general, it is all kind of, you know, up to the nineties. It's a Cold War specific oh, yeah. thing. Oh, so yeah. there's always a, a, a Russian nuclear bomb involved somehow, but. Uh, in this case, the Russian nuclear bomb is actually being planted in a cannon that will be used in a human cannonball uh, routine in a circus uh, in Germany, actually. In, in uh, East Germany. Right. Or West Germany, excuse me, West Germany. Right. So Yeah, it's uh, an East-West thing, you know. Right. So, and yeah, that gets a little confusing, too, to a 2011 viewer, actually. Right. Why like, are wait, they doing this in Germany? I don't understand. <laughs> You know, my kids will be like, why, why are there two Germanys? I don't understand. <laughs> right. And why is there an American military base there? Yes. Uh, yeah, exactly. And they're so eager to see the circus, too. No, they are pumped for the circus, <laughs> man. 
<laughs> they don't. Uh, yeah. By the way, when and Roger Moore, uh, when, when James Bond's sort of trying to storm the circus, that sucker's heavily guarded. Man, they're they're all you know busting out of the woodwork to shoot at him. Yeah. Um. But but yeah. So I mean, basically, uh, because of the circus aspect, you also get these um these two characters that I. It, it's kind of reminds me of of the gag from Austin Powers where he's talking about. The henchman, and actually, this might have been like a deleted scene from Austin Powers. I'm not sure, but this idea that the James Bond henchmen uh, have this whole like inner life that we never know about because uh, th- there's these sort of twin brothers that are knife throwers. They're the Jonas Brothers, I think. Right. They, they look like the Jonas Brothers. I, I looked it up on IMDb, and apparently, they're they're actually Mishka and Grishka are their character yeah. names. Yeah, and uh, what, what? Just one thing that sort of interests me. I, I don't know why this kind of sticks out to me, but uh, obviously they're both at, at at different points killed by James Bond. But after when he's fighting the second one, there's a point where he realizes that that Bond has killed the other brother, and uh, and he says something about he's about, he's sort of about to stab James Bond and kill him, and he he says like he does this. This is for my brother. And uh, I don't know. I just it, I just love that there's this like there's this whole other movie. I feel like you could have made where these could've two Ishka and Grishka, right? Where they're they're yeah. tragically both murdered by the same British secret agent. Yeah, I mean the, the whole thing start you know when it starts off with the circus and you're like, why is there a clown running through? And that's the you know I guess double oh nine. And that's I was right. like, yeah. And it, I was like, wait, am I watching Stephen King's? Uh, it or is it Jonas Brothers with knives or you know what's going on and it just it just gets crazier from there the the other henchman that I want to talk about uh that's notable here is that there's a guy that shows up in the in the Indian portion of the film that yeah, has that, a uh that has this really unique weapon I guess <laughs> do you want to, do you want to talk about that Lucas talking about, oh yeah this dude so I guess the uh the I don't know what's what's the guy's name the that uh Kamal Khan yeah Kamal Khan yeah. he he and his his hench main you know turbaned henchmen go to this seedy place and uh and hire these guys to go raid the beautiful women island and I guess kill James Bond and uh it's pretty awesome I mean it's just like <laughs> it's like a uh it's like a saw yo-yo. So, right. <laughs> but but the problem is he has to be up high to to actually utilize this thing, and it's so convenient that James Bond and Octopussy are making out on the bed, and all of a sudden, you know, there's conveniently this terrace above them that that goes around <laughs> the perimeter of the room, so the guy can get right over the bed. And it's the and least he- useful <laughs> weapon I've ever seen. Yeah, you you have to be above someone to use it. Yeah. And you couldn't hear it, or you know, he's like, "Move!" Or like, "Look out!" Right. So, yeah, yeah, it, but it's just but, notable, though. Yeah, I, I, I just love that they, that they. Uh, I mean, they had to basically build all the sets for the rest of the movie to have a right. second Out story, or else it wouldn't work. I, I kind of, I kind of want to mention Kamal Khan for a second, which we, since we brought him up, which is, uh, I, I think he's a really great villain. I mean, there's a lot about this movie that's, that is, you know terribly cheesy in the way that like I said a lot of James Bond movies are but I feel like this guy uh, I don't know I really enjoy 
watching him, especially enjoy the kind of there's there's one moment that's almost in every James Bond movie, I think, where for some reason James is playing some kind of casino uh, game or parlor right. game or something with the main villain, and he beats him, and the villain's very upset about it. Yeah, now, now I don't, I, I actually, I don't remember what they were playing in this movie. They're playing uh, uh, backgammon. It's like who? Okay, want to play Clue or something? You know, it's yeah. just like checkers, and you know they're they're talking about like half a million rupees or something, and you know, some James Bond sit this uh, colonel or general or someone loses to Kamal Khan because he's got loaded uh, set of loaded dice, which is like. Duh, the dude rolls double sixes every single time. Right. So James Bond sits down and is like, I'll take you up on that. And then he's like, but I'll use your dice, you know. And the guy's like, oh, no, you, you know, he doesn't say anything. But, uh, I but love no, that nobody noticed that, it got, that yeah, he got double like, sixes every time, yeah. Like, oh, well, your luck will run out sometime. And so James <laughs> Bond sits down and he obviously beats him. And uh, he's like, I'll take cash. And the guy leans over and he says... Spend the money quickly, Mister Bond. Right. So, I mean, no, he is a really good. I would say, you know, overall, the movie is just, you know, I wouldn't mind my daughter watching it at all because it's it's almost like a comedy. You know, it's just really bad in parts, but but he is a pretty good bad guy. Um, I feel like he got a a bad script to work with, though. <laughs> yeah. What What do you think about uh, What do you think about the the woman who plays? Octopussy here. I think her name is Maud something. Uh, you know, I think she's pretty good, and I'm I'm glad they kind of matched her up age wise with you know because she is supposed to be a little older. And yeah. You know, he's got his walker and whatever. So <laughs> you know, um, she's you know, obviously she's not like a hot, super hot Bond girl like uh, like some other. Uh, of the more recent ones are, but yeah, um, and you know the the funny thing the the girl the girl in the other James Bond movie in in Never Say Never Again like uh-huh. uh, like we said like a month earlier it was Kim Basinger so obviously oh, and, and it was Christ. a young yep. yeah young Kim Basinger too yeah from like Kim Basinger to her mom um, <laughs> so I mean you know I, I thought she was a good character and obviously they didn't try to make her too scantily clad. I think that's why they had the other blonde chick in it that James gets with earlier. That's kind of Kamal Khan's chicky pie. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I thought she was a good compliment to older bond, I guess. Yeah. I think, I think, I think that's a good point that they kind of, you know, it would, it would be ridiculous to see a mid fifties, Roger Moore chasing, chasing young, you know, twenty somethings basically at this point, and ending up with one at the end, right? Yeah. yeah, that's the other. That's kind of the other thing you get in every Bond movie is it always ends with he's he's injured and recovering in bed with with whichever <laughs> with, woman he ends up with. Yeah, and he's just like you know he's got he's in like he's in all these slings and stuff and like you know they got ropes <laughs> on his leg or whatever and and she's like. I forget what she says, and then he just like busts the ropes out, like it's I like think she never, says something like, I, like I, "I wish you weren't in such a weakened condition." Yeah, yeah. He's like, "Oh, James," and then the you know this <laughs> Viking row ship rowed by all women, you know, hands out to like this moonlit 
water and you know she's like oh james and, and then i think we get the song again yeah yeah then you get the song again yeah um one thing one thing i have kind of written down here that i wanted to mention and and this is just kind of a 1983 ism i guess overall but um you know kind of towards the the conclusion of this movie which actually i do think it does get pretty intense and exciting towards the end here where he's sort of you know He's he's sort of racing a train into the base and and trying to trying to disarm the bomb at the last possible second and yeah no so like once once they get out of India and the whole train sequence and the it, it does get better because um, you know you get the the Mercedes he blows his tires out of his Mercedes and then all of a sudden he ends up and you know it just so happens that his Mercedes wheels are the exact width of the train train track so right. he completely you know gets on the train track and and jams his uh gas pedal with the umbrella to catch up with the other train and all uh, british men would have an umbrella in their car right, right so uh but no it does pick up um you know and then he gets in a gorilla suit and that's um i forgot about the gorilla suit yeah uh yeah. So, uh, but but you know, anyways, there, there's kind of a um, one of the things that I noticed just just that I think about watching this movie is, you know, he's basically he's trying to get into the circus, the bomb. You know, there's a nuclear weapon ticking down, uh, and you know, he's basically just got to let people know what's going on, and it could probably be fixed. But because it's 1983. We don't have, you know, what I'm screaming out watching it in my head is, you know, call somebody. Send Octopus Pussy a text. Yeah, send know? a text message. Call somebody's <laughs> cell phone. Surely someone at the circus has a cell phone, you know. Right. But, uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of a, a device that I think is cool about movies from this era that, that in a way. Right, you can't of, do it anymore. Yeah, it kind of takes away the tension now that you can go. There's no aspect ever of he's got to get in touch with them, and there's and there's no way to do it because it's it's not believable to us anymore to go, you know, we all think somebody's got a phone. Well, yeah, it does. You know, I kind of noticed that too. It it gets Bond almost becomes very, you know, all the time Bond's almost like a, a superhero action hero all the time, but he becomes very human kind of at the end because you know he's got all these. Uh, you know, at one point he's trying to get into a phone booth to make a call, and so you know he just ends up stealing the chick's car. And she's like, "No, this is my auto." You know, <laughs> he goes off and it's Alfa Romeo, and then you know uh, he's hitchhiking on the side of the road. You know what? What kind of and the kids and the kids do the fake, the, yeah, like, get in, get in, and then they drive away. Yeah, so he ends up in this like utterly. A stereotypical German, you know, family's car, and they're sitting there eating sausages, and like they are, all they yeah. listen to their dialogue. All they're saying is like yeah, 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 and like something else. And then like he let they let let him out of the car, and you hear him again. They're like yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, it, yeah, it's like like you said, it's like you can't really do that anymore in film because someone would have a phone on them, or you know, you'd have some way to get. Or it's at least it's almost you know look you can always find a way to deprive people of that but I feel like maybe the writers uh, don't have to they don't feel like they have to get as creative anymore to come up with a solution to a problem right. like that yeah right right like oh well let's let them hitchhike <laughs> right 
um, and then you know, kind of the the last thing I want to that I that I noticed that I wanted to mention, uh, I really one of the things overall that I've seen, especially with action movies, since I've been watching all these you know these nineteen eighty three movies, uh, that's really missing from movies today is real stunts and and stunts that are ambitious to you know that are that are probably really dangerous to do. Yeah. And uh there's a there's a really great one at the end of this movie where um where James is you know grabbing onto an airplane. He's basically hugging Oh yeah, no, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I mean, he's up in the air and you know with his like barely his tips of his fingers like dug into each side of this plane. Um, and even if the stuntman is strapped to the plane, it's still pretty impressive just to have a guy uh, strapped to the side of a plane that's that far off the ground. And it looks great, you know, on film. There's, there's, there's just a huge difference to me. Uh, and and I, I think that I remember the dividing line when this happened was uh, the the James Bond movie that had Halle Berry in it. Um, I remember really distinctively, and I, I, I'm, lo- I'm I'm forgetting the name of it right now, but um, but I remember distinctively going, "This is the first time that in a James Bond movie they have they have done the stunts with computer generated people instead of right. actual stuntmen." Right. Uh, and and I just feel like you know when you see something like this, when you see a wide shot of a guy. Grabbing onto a plane, doing barrel turns and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it just makes all the difference in the world to me. You know, it's it's the difference between it being actually impressive and making you feel tense watching it to I I'm just kind of waiting for the scene to end. You know, it just doesn't really do anything for me to see a CG ragdoll actor, you know, kind of flying around the screen. Right, yeah, you're like, okay, obviously that's fake. You're going to cut to the actor on the ground or something like that. Right. Yeah. Well, um, Lucas, before we wrap up, man, I, I just want to did, – did you have anything, any points that you noticed or anything you wanted to mention about it that stuck out to you? Um, I guess, you know, it's been a while since I've seen one of the older Bond films. Um, and I, I guess I was just shocked at – just how corny it was and just like all the cheese ball um you know like just the whole beginning sequence where i guess he's in cuba and you know i guess (laughs) in my mind um it's just overall like you know they were just like putting stuff in to like make it work you know like why is there a horse show in cuba on a military (laughs) base you know, with with all these white people there, right. <laughs> you know, and like you know, all these guys that you know, they don't tell you you're in Cuba, but everyone looks like Fidel Castro, except for James Bond, who shows up, and like you know, this this chick like hands him his coat and he turns it inside out and gives him his name badge and he's Luis Toro and you know, it gives him this mustache and he looks like the whitest Cuban man <laughs> in the world. You know, and and I guess the only reason they did that whole sequence at the beginning was because, you know, that James Bond pulls up with a horse trailer, and it turns out that the horse the horse's ass lifts up and a plane comes out of it right. so you can escape Cuba to get to Miami or something. So that's almost as good a reveal as later in the movie when we see the um, 
the really obviously fake looking alligator in the yeah, water, and then its mouth opens and and uh, his and head, yeah. Roger Moore's head, just kind of sitting there. Yeah, and so, you know, he flies the plane, but the plane, like, runs out of gas, and so he has to stop conveniently at this gas station, and he looks like he's in Louisiana or something, and he's like, fill her up, you know, and then he goes to the awful opening scene. But, you know, and then that whole, the whole chase sequence in India, um, when they're trying to escape the first time, and they're in that, you know, like, three-wheel motorcycle coach thing, and it was, I think I counted, like, Within five minutes of that chase scene to where the first time they see Q, there's just like seven to eight really bad puns. Do you remember any of them? Yeah, I, I kind of I had my iPhone out. Um, there's one point where I guess James smacks. Well, first of all, the dude, you know, the Indian dude's talking about playing tennis throughout the whole. That's right. There's like a tennis motif yeah, so, in that car chase. Like, hitting everyone with tennis rackets and like um you know i think they mentioned this forehand or something at one point and then you know the whole beginning they've got this faberge egg and i don't remember if it's the fake one or the real one at this time and james you know smacks one of the bad guys with it and he's like he says that's what i call hard currency you know and then they go through this this movie poster they rip through this movie poster and it gets replaced with with another one and he says something like uh well, that pays it pays to advertise and then once it gets in with Q um you know there something's going on in the background and he's like having problems keeping it up no that was the one I do remember that yeah uh you know it, it gets worse from there and I think I think probably one of the worst moments of the entire movie where it just totally took me out of it and I do remember this watching it when I was little the whole elephant hunt scene where they're in the jungle and there's the tiger, you know, after he escapes uh, Kamal Khan's place for the first time. And you, I'm sure you remember this, but, you know, he's running and he sees the tiger and it's obviously, you know, like stock footage for something. And he's running away and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, James is swinging from vines oh, and you hear the awful. original, the original, and you gotta, you gotta find this clip and oh, put I'll it up. I'll play it, yeah. You know, it's this original Tarzan. Oh! And I was just like, are you serious? So. It was It was really, you're right. And that was that was definitely oh, was the most blatant, just cheesy joke. joke of the movie, yeah. But, you know, I guess overall, you know, it's a fun watch. Um, the whole circus aspect, you just can't really take it seriously, but... Um, you know, I think overall, like you said, Kamal Khan's a cool bad guy, and it does pick up towards the end. It's just there's just way too much cheese factor, I guess, for me to actually try to even take it seriously. But I guess you don't try to take James Bond's movies seriously. No, I, I mean, I think the most serious there's what kind of one moment that's kind of almost uh, it's almost like hauntingly serious. Where there's this moment where. Uh, the Russian, the sort of main evil Russian general is, um, you know, he's, he's like, uh, he, basically it's all gone wrong and he's, he's being, he's being shot up basically. Oh, yeah. He back. crosses over into the West German border and, you know, they're like trying to stop him and he's, he's getting on the caboose of the train and the, the dudes with their, 
whatever m16s or whatever just gun him down in the back and i forget what he says but yeah it's yeah the, well uh, the line basically I, I think james basically tells says something to him like you're you're nothing but a common thief and uh and the, the russian general says yes but tomorrow i am a soviet hero <laughs> and it's just like yeah. this really grim like all of a sudden like man that just got heavy all yeah. of a sudden that that he's that basically he's you know uh th- this complex plan that he's come up with that that's going to lead to the soviet union taking over all of europe basically speaking of that whole plan i mean just really quickly yeah. the uh, I mean, what about how pimp the soviets like war room is i was gonna say that too it's like They've got all these like big old plasma screens way before, and this the whole, you know, sickle and everything. Like they're in this semicircular seating arrangement, and the whole, I guess, circle that they're on like rotates around, so they don't have to move their heads. It's, or like, a, it's like an Epcot attraction or something. It's like yeah. Soviet Russia, you know. But uh, we must was, have been like, grossly overestimating. Them. Yeah, no, that's that's you know, in every other war film or anything where you see the Soviets, it's always you know just these gray cinder block buildings and uh, you know very. So I guess I guess no, they were high something. Yeah, they were cutting edge, man. And you know, actually, that w- one other thing it reminded me of. There's a there's a little scene where Q is you know doing his his typical scene in every Bond movie where he's taking James through the gadgets he's going right. to have this time. And I, I think when he's shown him the watch, he says something about the liquid, very latest in liquid yeah. crystal display. Yeah, and then he zooms in. James is, like, goofing off and zooming in on the chick's boobs. And, right. and then he just leaves it there, and the chick's like, oh, that's so funny. <laughs> oh, I know. That reminded that remind me of talking about that. Um, did you notice all the awkward smiles from the girls in the very opening sequence in the... Where the, the title sequence, sequence yeah, the title sequence, yeah, oh, yeah, they're all it's super like, uncomfortable with it. Oh, yeah, look, like, yeah, it's just really bad. Yeah, I'm gonna include you'll, you'll definitely, uh, in the blog post, I will definitely have the opening titles, uh, embedded in there so you can watch it. But, uh, you know, it, it's kind of the, the, the same thing you see in all of them where it's basically like carefully shadowed naked women yeah. and uh but in this one it is different i do feel like their faces they they look like they're they've been forced into it for oh time. yeah that like the one blonde chick at the beginning and then the one that's got like the you know it's just like a strand of diamonds or whatever across her boobs comes up on her face and it's like this really just awkward <laughs> smile and then the whole time you've got this dude and they're obviously like figure skating or something you know but they've that's right yeah so you know so it looks like they're just like gliding but it's like this dude and you can see he's got a suit on with a jacket because you can see the back flap of his jacket going but the chick's obviously like bare nude because you can you know either that or it's like a super tight body suit (laughs) right it's just yeah not not the best (laughs) (laughs) yeah i would say overall let's let's say octopussy not the best but, no, uh, I would, you know, of all the Bond films, and and I guess maybe just because of the title, I I remembered it more fondly. I was like, oh, yeah, Octopussy, that was a good one, right? You know? Um, but, uh, yeah, I'd probably have to probably give it around a C, you know, if I had to. Yeah, I'd say it's kind of a middle-of-the-road Bond movie, a little bit on the cheesier side of the spectrum than, than most of them are, but... Um, 
you know, yeah, it's got some good stuff, and and but you know, I, I think it's definitely it's it's one for the hardcore Bond Bond fans for sure. Yeah, you could, but you know, the good thing is you could go through and make a drinking game of it. Probably oh, it would definitely it would be a fun one to to do something like that with. Well, we'll be taking suggestions for that on the on the <laughs> website, but. Uh, Game. Yeah, exactly. Lucas, uh, thanks for joining me, man. I enjoyed it. Oh, it was fun. It was fun. And uh, everybody tune in again next week. We are finally entering the top five. We're getting very close here, and uh, we're going to be looking at war games next week. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it should be fun. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that one. All right. Well, uh, Lucas, thanks again, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Matt.